Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friends, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hello. And today we are joined by our friend, Dan. Hey. Today we're going to be talking about John Mulaney and childhood and shared childhood experiences. So, spoiler alert for John Mulaney's stand-up, I guess if you don't want the punchline ruined. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So for anyone who doesn't know who John Mulaney is, he's a famous stand-up comedian. He started stand-up pretty young in his late teens, and then he got a job writing for Saturday Night Live. You might know him from his um, stand-up specials, most recently Kid Gorgeous, The Comeback Kid, New in Town, and The Top Part. Um, and you should check those all out if you haven't. John Mulaney's probably my favorite stand-up comedian. I'm definitely a big fan of John Mulaney. I think he has really good delivery, and he has a really good voice. Um, just his ability to storytell really grasps mm -hmm. my attention. He's a well-dressed, good-looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. One thing I didn't know was that he's six feet tall. Yeah, he's huh. he's a lot taller than you'd anticipate. Um, I remember I saw him live, and... I was like, wow, his hair's longer and, like, beautiful than I imagined yeah. in person. And he's, like, a very tall person. Yeah, it's just the, like, he has, the, like, his own unique sort of style. It's like, if any other comedian was delivering this, if this was Dane Cook doing the exact same material, I would not be nearly as laughing as hard as I am with him telling it. So that's, that's a sign of a great storyteller and comedian. <laughs> yeah, there's this old saying that, comics say funny things and a comedian says things funny john mulaney is a comedian like he can say literally anything and he'll figure out a way to say it that would make me laugh mm -hmm. i agree um i will actually since you mentioned dane cook say that i see some nuances or at least um some overlapping characteristics between dane cook and john mulaney's deliveries I find John Mulaney is much more endearing about it and less aggressive. So I think I'm more, it's more approachable for me. Dane Cook almost comes off as mean when he's sharing his stories and like a little bit angry. He gets up there close to me. Oh, you can kill like that. No, it's funny. I'm like, yeah. And John Mulaney is, I guess, a little more gentle. <laughs> um, something that the two of them share that um, isn't uncommon amongst comedians, but the way that they deliver is they'll walk across the stage and they'll keep moving as they're set up. And then once they're on the punchline, they'll stop. So they're both very animated on stage, but then once they're delivering the joke, they stop and like usually will look at one particular person in the audience. Right. Hone in on a spot and it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of that, that reminded me of prolonged eye contact from uh, Bo, Bo Burnham. Burnham. And we were talking about tall comedians. Bo Burnham is like six and a half feet tall. Yep. <laughs> so I just uh, remembered that little tidbit. Um, one thing that I really liked about John Mulaney's special, Kid Gorgeous, was the specificity of his stories and his storytelling. And there was a lot of things that even if I didn't experience, I was able to relate to. Just the... The way that it was delivered in the, in the broad sense and broad strokes that he took, I was able to say, wow, like, yep, I relate to that. Even if I specifically didn't have that type of assembly, there was jokes leading up to it that I was like, yep, yep, that was me. That was my childhood. You've never had a Victorian nightgown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he was mentioning the uh, 
the woman in a denim dress with straight gray hair that had homemade puppets that was at the assembly. He was so specific. I had to say, did that woman come to my school when I was a kid? I think she did. It couldn't have been the same person, though. Like, did that actually happen? Or there's at least some aspect in your life that you compare. That's like, oh my, I have the same thing in my um, in my like 85 year old piano teacher, Miss Shemp. Yeah. She's like that crazy cat lady and has all the crafts in her basement piano studio. Um, also, with his specificity, when he's describing people. So in Kid Gorgeous, it's Detective JG JJ Bittenbinder. In Comeback Kid, it's his old boss whose name escapes me. In New in Town, it's the nurse with the Batman stickers. He'll describe them very specifically, and he'll usually say, I'm giving you more information than you need, but it makes the joke so much funnier <laughs> to get all these descriptions of, like, big handlebar mustache and a cowboy hat. Yeah. Or he'll have, like, a throwaway joke, like, this is very important to the story. <laughs> like, after he says a like, trivial detail. Like, when he does the, um... The, it's the uh, the ballroom at the end of the the fugitive, and then like he just keeps going back and like so so why is he barging into the ballroom? You ask. So he was mad at this guy for doing this. Um, one thing that I really connected with was his his retelling of a Christmas story, and how. He was describing it was like, where's my money? Where's my money, you son of a bitch? You piece this yeah. and starts beating him up. That's what happened in the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that's the emotion that I felt when I was watching it. But obviously that wasn't the dialogue or the actual interaction. So I was able to connect to it on two different levels. I've seen the story and that's what I wanted to happen when I was seeing the story. Yeah. Yeah, those throwaway lines of, like, that's what happened, right? Or, um, like, this is very important. You need to know this. He is, like, the king of those. He'll be telling a joke, and then in the middle of it, just be like, here's an extra joke for you. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> he does have incredible comedic timing as well, mm -hmm. along with his storytelling and along with his pacing and stopping short to give his punchline. Like, it's very obvious that he has fine-tuned a raw talent it it's not just raw talent and it's not just hard work like there was a there to me there is a clear combination of he was very talented to begin with and put in the work to make himself as good as he is now mm -hmm. like i always feel like i'm i'm listening and watching a refined product and that's not in a bad way whatsoever in the sense that i don't know if some people is like oh this doesn't really feel organic or whatnot i will always pick the more like honed and refined thing usually than to the uh the rambling creative process mm -hmm. yeah most definitely he has a brand you can basically understand his joke structure like you said because it's so refined and it's so specific but like that just goes to show he's really putting in like how he's structuring everything I want to be him so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're getting at. Yeah. Going back, I have already mentioned the assembly a bit, but I really wanted to get into the specifics of what he described that I related <laughs> to so much. Uh, one big part for me was in elementary school, we never knew when there was an assembly. And like, so we'd show up, we'd be ready to learn and be like, all right, put your books down. We're heading to the assembly. <laughs> and he's like, oh, are they finally going to kill us? <laughs> yeah, I love how aggressive there. It's like, put down your stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, leave and, it there. <laughs> and that's like something that I actually felt of like, 
couldn't this have been something you told me was going to happen? Like, there was a lot of, like, let's just herd these kids here. Okay, now let's mm-hmm. herd these kids here. And I really, again, connected with John Mulaney's uh, description of that because that's how I felt as an elementary school kid of just shake me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I never knew what we were learning that day or what my goal was for the end of the week. It was always day by day. And I don't know if that was because I was a child or because the structure of the school and the teacher's goals. It's truly, just okay, we got that person spread. today. Let's do Let's get all the kids together. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I imagine it happens. And nowadays, like in school, they're pushing really hard on that, like learning independence and being like, let them know what they're going to learn before they learn it. So that at the end of the lesson, they know if they got it or not. I couldn't even fathom that idea when I was in elementary school. <laughs> Um, did you guys have a yearly assembly that you saw the same people every year like John did? Because he mentions J.J. Bittenbinder. My school had the same fire safety video every single year. And let me tell you a little bit about this video because it is bananas. And no one I've ever described it to outside of people from my town have seen it. It stars a smoke alarm named Seymour Smoke. Voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> and there's a song about um, when your house is on fire, you want to crawl to be under the smoke, sung by Little Richard. <laughs> I don't know where they found it. It's bonkers. And I watched it every year for six years. I'm sure you guys didn't just <laughs> experience a mass hallucination. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So my question for you, Joe, is while you were experiencing it, how many years beyond that did it take you to look back and be like, wait, that was weird? Or did it happen in the moment? Uh, definitely not in the moment. Every year after we watched it for the next week, I was like, my house is going to catch on fire. And I was so terrified. Um, I guess in like... Wow, it might have not been until college where, like, we made jokes about it in high school, like, ha, 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 see more smoke. But I think it wasn't until college where I was like... analyzed, wait, why are they showing this to children? That was weird. (laughs) What What a weird way to teach me about fire safety. (laughs) And that that reminds me of something else John Mulaney mentioned when uh, Bittenbinder is there. He's like... I'm going to get kidnapped. <laughs> and that's just his perspective for the rest of like uh, the next couple of days of mm-hmm. these types of assemblies could be like a little traumatizing to kids because <laughs> yeah. there isn't enough context. It's literally out of nowhere. There's an assembly and it's this topic that we are not equipped to handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like going again, like I did not at all relate to the whole stranger danger thing. That seemed to be something they're pushing more in the 80s. And, like, I saw him on, like, a talk show with Zoe Deschanel, and she even echoed that. I was like, oh, yeah, during the 80s, like, we would have all these assemblies about, like, stranger danger. I'm like, oh, I guess that was just a hot-button topic of that time. Whereas in this, I could still relate to the assembly aspect, because even though I went to, like, a private Bible elementary school, we would still have these, um, everyone getting the, uh, like, the, the chapel assembly hall thing, and here's this speaker. It's like, all right, someone come up here and roll out this tube of toothpaste. It's like, okay, we rolled it out. It's like, okay, now put it back in. 
Well, that's, that's sin. <laughs> you can't take back your oh, actions. That was sin. Yeah, that was yeah. Oh, and wow. then like you can't take back your actions. It's like just how hard it is to put the toothpaste back into the tube. That's how hard it is to take okay, back your actions. Okay, I'm gonna make fun of my college. Um, <laughs> oh boy, I had a similar experience of that in fifth grade, but it was about bullying, and it was about like the words that you say can't go back into the tube, just like the. Or can't go back into your mouth, just like the toothpaste can't go back into the toothpaste uh-huh. container. Um, in college, I was part of SGA. I was um, the president of a club. And so we'd have sort of uh, lead strongs, which were opportunities for leaders to get more. They were kind of like conferences where like people would kind of lecture on this is how you be a leader. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And we walked in and I saw toothpaste. And the first thing I thought was, if they show me this, something that I learned in fifth grade at a college level, I'm going to be pissed. And guess what they did? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was the exact same lecture and the, the exact same pace and intonation. And everyone at the college level, like I was looking around, they were like, wow. Oh, that's a great metaphor. I never thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me <laughs> how long have you been a leader or i don't know in school <laughs> but i got over it no clearly not no, i'm still yeah, at this still angry i didn't even know that it. this was like do people just google it's like okay just like uh i only <laughs> assembly, have toothpaste <laughs> assembly uh i don't know instruction 101 it's yeah. like the toothpaste metaphors the I number one the, search result i prefer the idea of someone typing into google things that they have with them and then just be like what can i do with a toothpaste a toothpick and a plate and teach about bullying send and google's <laughs> like well have you thought of <laughs> i would like that like assembly bot where it's like here's the things i have with me uh 50 rolls of toilet paper why don't you pass them out and have them rip off pieces of toilet paper every square is something they have to share about themselves <laughs> oh you're genius <laughs> assembly bot <laughs> I actually very recently looked up like icebreakers, like I forget why, but it it was a similar thing of like you roll you have the toilet paper, you pass it around and basically you pull as much toilet paper as you use when you go to the bathroom. And it's supposed to be like, haha, this is kind of funny and like a little uncomfortable, but like we look at us. And then whoever makes that joke of, like, unrolling a bunch of it, at the end of it, they get stuck with having to share a fact about themselves per Wait, square. are you serious? I, I did that at summer camp. And my camp Spofford, the uh, the camp counselor, he's all like, okay, just uh, get to know all your cabin mates. Everyone's <laughs> going to take a turn in the chair and then roll a little thing of toilet paper. And it was the show us how you wipe. So you would, and you would like, foe, it's like, people would like, go in front, it's like, well, what are you going in front for? It's like, it's clearly behind. So. A, a couple of things with this. First this was off, a Bible camp, also. First off, people went from the front? Yes. That seems unsanitary. Second of all, men. what men. kind of camp is this where they're like, show me how you wipe your butt? Camps. It's a Bible camp. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a Bible camp. That just made me think of that episode of South Park. Where um, all of those things with the Catholic Church were going on with the priests molesting children. And Stan Marsh was sitting in a, I guess, like a meeting where the Catholic Church was advertising like a cruise for kids. And it's like this, he imagines this commercial like the Catholic boat 
and a bunch of like priests come up and like basically like take off their clothes and he just starts screaming yeah. and and he imagined that and then they cut back to him in the assembly or him at the meeting and he just goes ah! Ah! <laughs> 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 but <laughs> There are way more things wrong with your scenario. <laughs> no, it was great, because when it was my turn, I'm like, Hi, my name is Dan, and this is how I wipe. I fold it like a plate, and then I excavate. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. And all I hear for the for the next week of camp, it's like, Oh, excavating, Dan. I'm like, yeah. excavating. Yeah. I set myself up for that, yeah. didn't I? Going back to you, Joe. <laughs> I'll have you know that maybe for women it's unhygienic, but men can wipe from the front. And I'm insulted that you thought that was weird. I don't think I can be friends with you anymore. <laughs> um, so speaking of Bible camp, John Mulaney also brings up being raised specifically Catholic. And I remember seeing, I saw him at Radio City and I was with a group of people who happened to go to a Catholic high school and we were all cracking up, but I think they had that extra layer of like, this is so true, like, where it's like, pay attention, uh, the bread of bread is bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really liked when he talked about his religious experience, but also when he's criticizing it. He, mm -hmm. he, there were two points that I remember um, when he's talking to his wife about the Last Supper, yeah. and she's like, well, you you Christians and Catholics, like, you're all warped and weird and demented. And he's like, well, we know all that. But, yeah. what, do but what do you think? <laughs> uh, so there's, like, this... Something that I really connected to was that idea of, yeah, like, the Catholic Church has a lot of fucked up things going on in it. And I kind of dismiss it. <laughs> yeah. um, which isn't great, but when I... Dis I the way I dismiss it is of, well, I don't necessarily practice in the catholic sense anymore and i can still hold on to certain values and morals that i learned throughout my childhood about that but still not necessarily associate specifically with the catholic church um and then he mentions he likes criticizing the idea of people believing in like higher beings and all of these specific religions but if someone else yeah. criticizes it, he goes, hey, my mom believes in that. <laughs> and that's not okay for you to say. And I also connected with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really enjoy, I think it's in Comeback Kid, where um, similarly he's like criticizing the, the church, where they changed a translation of one of the things we say during Mass. And it's it went from... And also with you to, and with your spirit. And he didn't know that, so he got caught that like he hadn't been going to church. But he goes, because that's the thing that needed to be changed in the Catholic Church. <laughs> so I do like his self-aware, like, I identify as Catholic, but like, there's some big problems that <laughs> need to be addressed. Yeah. And I also really liked uh, that point, because I remember when I went to Mass with my mom, for the first time after they changed the words, I was caught so off guard. Uh, I guess the closest, I have, like what you were mentioning before, not so much that I uh, dismiss it or don't associate it with um, uh, just the weird stuff in the religion, 
it's just you you grow up with it and like you're told the stories that you almost don't think twice about it that if you like when your friends bring it up and they hadn't gone to Sunday school and stuff it's like wait well what what's this part about someone who was swallowed by a whale it's like yeah it's just <laughs> what are you talking about it's the story of Jonah <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of similar to the whole assembly thing of, like, you don't realize how weird it is until, like, you're much older in mm -hmm. the moment. You're like, well, this is what my life is like. So <laughs> here it is. And it's another opportunity for, like, connectedness with people where if you have the shared experience, you're like, oh, my God, this is great. And then if you share it and everyone's like, wait, what happened to you? You're, you withdraw a little bit and you're yeah. like, oh, never mind. I'm going to save this for people who I know relate to this. Yeah. yeah. So John Mulaney is able to take that from like a, a fun satire, pointing fun out point of view. And it's make it relatable, hilarious, and have that strange relation to everyone. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's almost like relieving. It's like, wow, thank goodness other people go through that, too. I thought I was a little weird for going through that. <laughs> Turns out I still am, but not the point. <laughs> um, there was another bit that I'd love to address is when colleges ask you for more money after you've graduated. And <laughs> he gets into... Joe, can you explain it? Because I think you have a better voice for it. <laughs> so he uh, gets a letter from his school from his college, and they basically ask him for a donation. Something, uh, on the day of this recording, I actually got a letter from, yeah, and so did Alex. So it's definitely something that's relatable. And he makes this great um, point about um, how much he spent, and he's like, I gave them $120,000, and they spent it already? <laughs> And it, he gets into, like, this idea of, I spent that money, or I was willing to give that money, because you were giving me something in return. It was an exchange. Why did I stop giving you money? Because you stopped teaching me. And even in that context, he also derails a little bit, and he's like, did I even learn anything in college? I don't think I touched water once over the past four years of college. I... I spent $120,000 for someone to tell me to go read Virginia Woolf, and then, and then I, I didn't. didn't. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was watching it with um, a friend we went to college with, Amy Battaglia, and she, when he brought up, it's like, oh, I majored in English, and she's like, oh, and she did as well, and she completely related to that whole bit, especially, it's like, spent $120,000 to have someone read Jane Austen or Virginia Woolf, and, and then I did. <laughs> so good. Um... I love in that bit where he's talking about his friends that are like, no, you have to donate to school. And he's like, your college is a hooker and you're the idiot that fell in love with her. <laughs> Which, like, I have school spirit, but I can definitely relate to like, why are you asking me for money? I graduated two years ago. <laughs> I clearly don't have any money to give you. But again, overall, like everything that John Mulaney does is he tells the truth. And he tells the truth in a way that is easy to digest and makes it as broad and relatable as possible. Um, and there's, there's always a comedic aspect to hearing people's truths and there's a comedic aspect to relating to it. I think John Mulaney, just, he just does an incredible job with it. Even when he's talking about an extremely specific situation, like 
um, what happened when he went to the doctor. Like, that's not something that happens to everybody, but everyone's had an awkward encounter at the doctor. He talked about his time writing at SNL, and he got in an argument because he was trying to use the word midget, and that's a very specific situation, but everyone's gotten in an argument with someone where they were like, obviously, I'm right. Like, this person's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I just think he, he does such a good job of honing in on what is, what's happened in my life that is funny but still relatable to other people. Mm -hmm. Specifically in this special, uh, Kid Gorgeous, it's what connected with me the most was that whole shared childhood experience. Um, and what was so amazing about that is that he took my nostalgia and sort of wound it up in a way that I didn't even realize it would be something that I missed until he started talking about it. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. God, I wish I was still sort of in that time where life was simpler. And I like didn't expect it at all. And I don't know if John Mulaney mentions this joke specifically. I know plenty of comedians have, but just the 80s or even earlier was that era. It's like, when you send your kids out of the home, you have no idea where they are, what they're doing <laughs> or whatnot. And we live in such a different age with parents being like far more paranoid and stricter about even like calling uh friends parents is to make sure they're at their house oh is little johnny there and having fun with ryan or whatnot mm -hmm. and that that is an age in the bygone bygone eras yeah like our shared experience is going to be very different like when we see comedians 10 years down the line 15 mm -hmm. years down the line it's going to be almost like that uh, black mirror episode of where the girl has the chip in her head and the mom has an iPad that can see everything she sees. It's going to be pretty relatable to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you guys just want to kind of talk about like our childhood experiences and see if like we share any commonalities? We, we all grew up in three different parts of the U.S. So uh, I think it'd of be the northeast. Of the northeast. <laughs> of the tri-state area. Of the tri-state area. <laughs> Um, different towns, I guess, is my point. But, uh... Before we do, can I make one small point? Just about John Mulaney's sort of style and when he does deliver these relatable stories. I feel it's his dress in the sense that he looks like he's straight out of Wall Street pre, like, 1930s crash or whatever. Would you find his delivery and comedic timing as funny if he was just wearing a t-shirt and jeans up there on the stage and being, like, casual, like, slack like slouch posture and stuff. I feel it's mm -hmm. almost a very a very large fraction of his comedy comes from the way he's dressed and how he presents himself. I wouldn't say it adds to the joke, but it would take away from the joke if he wasn't dressed like that. There's a sense of like confidence and I, I wanna trust this man because he's holding a briefcase type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it just shows that like he does take it seriously and that just makes it funnier. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just thought it was an interesting observation. But yes, going on to shared childhood trauma. I mean experience. <laughs> no, I think for me, trauma is actually going to be a great word for what I'm going to describe. <laughs> oh, great. Um, I think anyone with siblings is going to relate a majority of the time with my stories. The one that always comes to mind when I think trauma, which is using it use loosely, is called the torture rack experience. Oh, um, that sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was. So my oldest brother was really into like professional wrestling and there was a move called the torture rack where you pick someone up, you put them on their back and you sort of jump up and down and sort of like break their back. 
So using that name to entice me, uh, my brother said that we were going to do a different type of torture rack. And I was like, okay. And they start basically tying me up to um, the sofa and the TV. So like my arms were tied separately and my legs were tied together. And while this is happening, you might think, why isn't he resisting? Well, they convinced me that everyone was going to get a turn on the torture rack. Sibling politics are very <laughs> convincing. Which is what happened with a lot of my stories. Yeah, Alex, you, you go first, and then uh, we'll do it later. Yeah, totally. And it, it always stopped there. <laughs> but anyway, I was tied up, and they start tickling me. And I guess that was the torture aspect of the torture rack. And they convinced me, like, no, this is going to make you stronger. And I'm like, okay, so strength. So what I need to do is pull the sofa, is like, like, use all of my strength to get out of these ropes or something like that. This is a test of some sort. My brothers wouldn't do this just for fun. <laughs> and so I start pulling, and the sofa starts moving, and I start pulling my legs, and the TV stand starts moving, and then the TV starts wobbling. So the additional aspect of this torture quickly becomes, Alex, Alex, you can't do that. You're going to knock the TV over. <laughs> <laughs> and in retrospect, I should have said, stop tickling me, and I won't pull. And the, if the TV breaks, it by no means would be my fault. Instead, they convinced me that it absolutely would be my fault oh, so that's... if the TV knocked over. Like, so yeah, it, I guess I have to stop moving. It, yeah, it quickly became my responsibility to make sure the TV stopped wobbling. Rather than them two's responsibility. But and if you survive, you'll be stronger. <laughs> Which came out years later, so I couldn't have that catchphrase. <laughs> and if you burn, then you're not a witch. <laughs> and if you drown, you're not a witch. <laughs> um, and that was what I call the torture rack story. Um, Does anyone relate to that? <laughs> well, I, uh, I had one older sister, so we did get in, like, fights, I guess. They were physical at like a very young age and then eventually we just got to the point where it was like she wasn't interested in like physically fighting and then like I wasn't allowed to hit girls so that wasn't really anything I experienced but my parents did have uh, I guess a policy of like we were always treated equally so like if one of us like, if my, my dad would sometimes come home with, like, a toy that he saw at 7-Eleven, and we would, it would never be like, Laura got one, and I didn't. We always each got one. And one time, I remember I was complaining, because I was like, oh, hers is so much better than mine. Like, she got this, and I got that. And then one day, he came home with two Powerpuff Girl dolls, and one of them was mine. And I was like, I don't want this. And he's like, but it's the exact same thing that she got. And then I was like, wow, what a lesson <laughs> using toxic masculinity Ooh. against me. <laughs> Touche. That's amusing, but also sad, but also really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's why I hate the patriarchy now. It all makes sense. I don't know. I'd be pretty into a Powerpuff Girls uh, doll. I came to appreciate it, <laughs> but uh, I I watched the Powerpuff Girls. In retrospect, I did enjoy the show. Yeah, I too I... watched the things my older sister watched yeah. as well. Kim Possible was fantastic. I'm so glad my sister oh, yeah. made me uh, watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same with uh, S Sailor Moon. <laughs> um, 
I do, speaking of the Powerpuff Girls though, I do have this, these vivid memories of um, watching the Powerpuff Girls only because Samurai Jack was on right after it. It's where if that breaks. So my childhood trauma comes from my mother's side of the family. Um, I feel like each group of your cousins are like very different, or at least for me. We have the the outdoorsy cousins over in Massachusetts, and then the Jersey cousins are the rough and tumble. My uncle literally had a uh, boxing ring and punching bag in his basement, <laughs> and like unfinished concrete basement floor, it's, and just all that fun, exciting things that little Dan is like, oh yeah, this is totally aligns with my interests. Uh, so my cousins, Joe and Mark, and then I'm sure my sister there, they wanted to play a game called Bug in the Rug. And guess who the bug was? It was, was it the your rug. sister? It was, no, no, the bug was me. Oh. So what I got to do is I had a super, it was a big, heavy, heavy blanket in the sense of as I'm like crawling around with this blanket on me in the ground, it's, I don't get like flicks of daylight it's thick enough that no light comes through and heavy enough that i'm like literally encumbered by it so it's like oh so i just it's sort of like marco polo i just have to catch someone and, and they'll be the the bug so that's easy enough so i can get out of the torture if i just catch someone there are freaking hockey tables and air soft tables down there they're like hopping from table to table stepping on my back and i'm like oh. well this isn't fair <laughs> And it got to the point where I was literally hyperventilating, and uh, I think it was my mother or maybe my aunt had to like rush down. Literally, I guess they had like some breathalyzer in their house or whatever. <laughs> I was literally on that, and uh, I was hearing scolding from the other room. And literally, individually, each of my cousins had to come in and like apologize to me. Was... That's a much better ending to a similar situation I've had. Uh, it wasn't even... Did you only play that once? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it was it was such an experience the one time, even all these years later, at, like, weddings and get-togethers, it will be brought back up, and it's like, I am so sorry we subjected you to that. It's like, oh, no, it's a funny... Thanks for that uh, story I get to tell now of you uh, <laughs> torturing me and jumping in my back as I suffocate in a blanket. <laughs> Hilarious. So my relatable story either was less intense or we were just tougher than you. I don't know, whatever the situation. Oh, tougher. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Our game uh, my brothers and I played was called Scatter. It's the same idea. We're in our basement. Um, we have a blanket over one of us. And basically, you get to throw the blanket up once to see where everyone is. And while it falls back down on you, everyone gets to scatter and move around. And so until the blanket isn't completely on top of you, you can't move. And so once it's completely on top of you, you can start like running around and starting to tag people. And if you tag them, they get the blanket over them. And then they're the person who's it. So it was. It was. Did like you a get to stand Marco at the blanket, Polo. or were you on all fours? <laughs> um, it depended on the situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, in retrospect, was still a lot of let's gang up on the littlest one. Mm -hmm. At the very least, my oldest brother could pin me and Jonathan against each other because we're only like a year and a half apart from each other. Um, and that game was like a consistent, every once in a while we'd go back to playing it in the basement. 
And we never had adult supervision in that context. And it would be a lot of eventually let's just push the person who's in the blanket. It's no yeah. longer let's play tag. It's let's make him run into stuff. Let's uh, bother him in this way and that. Mm -hmm. And our mentality, or at least what they convinced me was, well, when I'm in the blanket, like you can do the same to me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. That makes sense. And it didn't. See, happen. I would just be excited to play like, because I was such a shy kid. I was like, oh, yay, they want to play with me. That's fun. Um, speaking of that, I did have a, an interesting um, dynamic with my sister when we would play like with her dollhouse, but then my action figures would also be in the dollhouse. Oh, I remember you mentioning it. Yeah. So like, um, we, she would have like a family of kids and like in, a mom and dad, and then like also Spider-Man was there. Um, wow, I had a way better childhood than you guys did. <laughs> You're late from school, Peter. Sorry, I had uh, extracurricular activities. <laughs> um, but the, um, I guess, rough stuff, I did to myself, I had this bit where I would dress up like George of the Jungle and I would sing the theme song and then I would say, watch out for that and then run full speed into a wall, <laughs> hit it and then say tree and then fall <laughs> over. And my parents thought it was so funny that at family parties, they'd be like, Oh, do the thing! Yeah, they'd be like, Joey, do George of the Jungle. I'd be like, okay, dad. <laughs> and then like, I'd... <laughs> God. For me, it was, why don't you play on the piano, Dan? It's like, because I'm not your puppet this <laughs> <not> time. <laughs> um, I'll definitely say that a lot of your stories eventually involve your parents. Yeah. <laughs> None of mine ever do. And I think that's why I am the way I am. Um, has your sister pushed you down the stairs in the laundry basket? Mine um, has. I think we've tried that. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I, do, I, I vaguely remember seeing the, the floor the like at the, the end, at the base of the stairs, <laughs> and then <laughs> I don't remember what happened after that. So something we might have happened know. where we could fill in the blanks. We've definitely done that. Um, I'm going to use this as a quick opportunity to uh, use you, the audience members, as therapy. I'm just going to share some more things that my brothers did to me. Uh, my oldest brother, who was in the National Guard, had this really fun game that he liked to play, which was sneak up behind me and choke me until I went unconscious. Um, and he did it multiple times, per like pretty consistently. Um, multiple times I'd get like this zone out sense of like, I feel like I'm outside of my body and then he lets go and I sort of feel myself fall in slow motion. And this one time, which I think has stopped him ever since, I don't know for sure. It might have been just because he moved out. That's what stopped him. <laughs> but one time he was hiding in the bathroom and I was about to walk down the stairs and he gets out. He does it, but only for like a few seconds. I'm guessing he thinks like, oh, this is just like for the sake of the consistency and the joke. <laughs> and he immediately lets go thinking I'm not unconscious yet. And I start falling forward and he has to like grab me and pull me back into the hallway and be like, why'd you get unconscious what? so quickly? Like it was my <laughs> fault. He blamed me. Again. <laughs> why'd you make the TV well? Yeah. Why'd you uh, that's most of my childhood was oh, them convincing man. me it was my fault. And I'm like, because you snuck up behind me. <laughs> well, it's always taken longer before. Yeah, because I know it's coming and I like tense my neck, I guess. This is by no means my fault. <laughs>
I guess what we're getting at is don't let your kids play with each other because it will not end well. Street smarts! Street smarts! <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next week when we talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp and why we love underdog stories. If you liked us, find us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore baldmen and find us on Facebook. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you all so much again, and if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time. <laughs>